of the Gridiron Show in association with sports, travel tour, sports travel for sports fans, by sports fans. This is take two, I'm not going to lie. The last podcast got interrupted by attempts to get Tony Gonzalez and Rob Gronkowski on. Those attempts failed. But we did get not one, not two, but three Hall of Famers on the show today, plus some current NFL players and some lovely people beside. You know, current quarterback, it was a great day. What a day, Matt Sherry. This is the Gridiron Show. This is indeed the Gridiron Show uh, in association with Sports Travel Tours. Sports Travel Tours, who uh, we, I haven't seen Andrew since we arrived. Mm-hmm. Andrew, friend of the show, of course. But we are going to go out with him tonight and grab a bite to eat. And despite the fact that uh, a couple of us are feeling a little bit worse for wear after, uh, after our early morning start today. Uh, I don't think I've mentioned that yet, guys. <laughs> <laughs> It is currently 5.33 in the afternoon, to be precise, and we've been here since 6.30 this morning, so an 11-hour day for me and Ollie Hunter. And 5.33 is actually the evening. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what did I say? Afternoon. <laughs> no, right, no, that no, is no, a no. ridiculously that's, that's, picky distinction to make. As soon as you pass, as as pass 4.59, it's... It's Rubbish! A, you're a joke. Um, that's pre-evening. That's someone, that's someone who works for themselves at home, isn't it? Yeah. I did. Uh, I did speak to Andrew Hill actually this morning, um, and really exciting day for those guys. They're about to launch their package for the game in Ireland, Georgia Tech. Oh, fantastic! Against. <laughs> it's really good if you know what the game is, Sherry. Oh, I forgot. I do definitely know what it is, but it's Georgia Tech against a, a good college, definitely. Who can get this information first off Google? Is <laughs> this the, is, is some the cracking now. live tweeting to find out. We Boston get, College. Um, yeah, Georgia Tech, Boston College. Oh, that's a great game. Yeah, yeah so that package is, is coming out today, and people should really check that out because those guys, I mean, we can speak from experience this week. Andrew does a great job of looking after people on those tours, and, and it's just great value for money with the ticket. The tailgate parties they put on are absolutely fantastic, and it, yeah, the... Those guys do a great job, and I'm uh, sure we'll get Andrew on soon again to discuss his packages. And I'm not going to lie, the game in Ireland, uh, I went to the Penn State one yeah. two years ago, and it was one of the best live football experiences I've had. Uh, the Irish crowd, obviously, so welcoming the football, great to watch college football in that stadium, and so much fun, and then Dublin is obviously just a great yeah, city um, to go out in the night before, the night after, uh, just great, great fun. Brilliantly, I found all of that information on ramblingrec.com. Thanks, I really appreciate that, guys. Right, so uh, Will Gavin, Ollie Hunter, Matt Sherry are uh, in the podcast studio, which is live on Radio Roll at Super Bowl 50, the Golden Super Bowl. We've had such a great day today down here on Radio Roll. Sadly, we, uh, Radio Roll. we are It's listening. not Radio Roll, you've just said that twice. <laughs> in the north, it's Radio Cobb. <laughs> Radio Bap. We're down on Radio Bap. That's a great gag. Ollie, we're falling flat on the gags yet again. <laughs> this, is a great a, gag. this is a repeat of yesterday. That was a great... You can't deny that. Uh, and thank you for everyone who's got in touch at Gridiron on Twitter about the shows we've done so far. Generally been really positive. So appreciate that. There's not a huge amount to report in terms of news from today. The Broncos and Panthers both had their press conferences and very much... Similar kind of stories to recent days, and Cam Newton actually pointed out the fact that it's the same sort of stories as recent days. We did have the Broncos sending home uh, a practice squad safety, but they have glossed over that very quickly. He was caught up in a prostitution sting, actually released by the authorities. They decided that there were no charges worth pressing, but the Broncos, in no-nonsense fashion, went out of the door with you. But Cam Newton hilariously came up to the podium and basically suggested that he'd answered all these questions already. 
several times. So and, were, and, and in 24 hours, when he returned to the podium, he'd be answering the same questions with probably the same answers. <laughs> and then proceeded to break down exactly what his next 24 hours would involve, including what he'd have for breakfast, when he'd brush his teeth, what time he'd get back to the hotel, what video games he'd maybe play when he gets back to relax. It was brilliant. And, and he the, used the, the word golly. He did use the word um, golly. Yeah. And the key information from that was he had salmon for his breakfast and his breath smelled a little bit because of it. It was... Um, Classic. That, that is kind of the hard-hitting stuff that we've had from her, from the teams today. I mean, the, the funny one with the Denver, Denver situation is if that was Akeem Tlaib, I'd have been interested to see if they'd have sent him home. Yeah. Very easy to make an example <laughs> of a practice squad, nobody. Uh, yeah. And in no way are we suggesting that Akeem Tlaib uh, was anywhere near any prostitution areas i mean he was in san francisco so he was near prostitution areas but about whether or not he was in <laughs> whether or not he was interacting with them we will not speculate about on. san francisco it's a really cool city i've liked it although i've spent most of it inside of this giant building but per person that crazy per person is crazy i mean there are so many weirdos we on the are street. we are in soma and near the tenderloin which are the two areas we've not really branched out at some point we'll take ollie on a little sightseeing tour get him down to the golden gate bridge get him down to fisherman's wharf and see what the uh touristy classy areas of san francisco okay, look yeah. like rather than just walking up and down mission <laughs> and market street and getting bumped into by a lot of homeless people. oh my god there's so and people singing to themselves people shouting at other people tourettes Oh, it's, uh, it's, it's great, though, loving it's, San Francisco. It's just, no, it's just nice to have Will Gavin with us, who's obviously Yay. been to the city a hundred times, and is probably going to hold your hand while he guides you around the city and just say, Oliver, this is... This yeah, is the yeah, this is a... I've been over there, you know, quite a few times. Genuinely, what is amazing about where we are now, down on Radio Row, is that... The names of people we've had coming through here and the, and the people who we've just managed to bump into. I mean, just the interviews we've got today. Ronnie Lott, which we talked about yesterday. My, my favourite defensive back of all time from the 49ers. He was really great fun. Jerry Rice we spoke to very briefly as well. Uh, the number one player of all time, according to the NFL, when they did uh, their rankings. Mike Haynes, who we spoke to last year, of course, about prostate cancer. We got him back on, talked about mm -hmm. the cornerback play in this game coming up this weekend. Michael Brockers, we'll hear from a bit later on defensive tackle of the St. Louis Not St. Louis, LA Rams. Done I've done that, that three times now. Time, yeah. Jack Muhort will join us as well from uh, the Indianapolis Colts, the guard, and uh, we'll hear, we're going to hear from those guys just a little bit about Are you gonna what they think the about this main weekend. Interview that we got, which was the Atlanta Falcons squad, Matt Ryan. In full, which is what I was going to say. Sorry, man. The fact is, is that when you're on Radio Row, you can look around you. And in fact, if I did a 180 degree turn right now, I'd see the man who caught the catch, Dwight Clark. You would sat just 10, 15 feet behind me. So this is the kind of thing. The kind of access you get constantly, and it's been so much fun today. But one person who did come over to talk about uh, a bit of Gillette <laughs> was yeah. Matt Ryan, and we had really good fun with him. And in fact, should we just play in Matt Ryan here? Yeah, let's, let's, let's do it. Let's get that in and get that out, not out of the way. I nearly said out of the way, not out of the way. This guy is a, for me, a top 10 quarterback playing in a team where they did not play up to a level they could have done last year. They obviously had a fantastic streak to start the season. We talk about that, their overall record, Dan Quinn, and maybe... Maybe Ollie happens to mention our particular nickname for the NFC South. So here he is. And actually, this interview starts with him talking about the swag that he brings us over. I'm just going to leave that little bit in at the beginning for you. I've got you some gifts. This is great. <laughs> I, I'd love to pretend that I'm most excited about our next uh, interview on Radio Row because it's a starting top 10 quarterback in the NFL. But actually, I'm most excited because I've just been given a free Gillette Razor. Uh, Matt Ryan of the Atlanta Falcons, how are you doing today, sir? I'm doing good. I came, uh, I came with some gifts, uh, the Fusion Pro Shield. 
uh, from Gillette for you guys. It's basically like an offensive line for your face. Uh, uh, I like it good. Yeah, it protects you from, from all the things that you don't want to happen, like irritation and, and cuts and those kind of things. So I uh, hope you guys enjoy it, and uh, I'm happy to be on. Can As I congratulate you yeah, initially on the slickest sales pitch we've had this <laughs> week. That was really, really cool. There's, there's three of us here, uh, one that can't shave, uh, can't grow hair but needs to shave needs to shave and the two of us here that do have a bit of hair but we need we really need to get rid of it yeah well you know even just trim it up a little bit you know? so let's so let's got some other products that uh, that are out there that that could help you kind of keep the edges tight and, and keep things groomed up pretty neatly look matt it was a, a tough season this year it started off so well going undefeated for such a long streak and you and hulo looked like you were having an incredible connection what was your final assessment of the season as it, as it all kind of uh, ended up falling a little bit off the edge? You know, I think we were inconsistent uh, throughout the, the entire year. We did some things that were great, and, um, you know, we looked like a team that, that should be really good. But then we also did, did some things that, that looked like a team that was not very good. And so, you know, when you finish at 8-8 eight and, eight and, and your record's right at 500, you're going to see both of those things. Uh, I think we've got the pieces, the nuts and bolts to be a really good football team moving forward. Uh, and, and that's the thing that I'm very excited about. One of those nuts and bolts is Devontae Freeman. What an incredible year that he had, uh, especially that first sort of first six, seven, eight games. Um, how impressed were you with him uh, throughout the whole season? Very impressed. Just the way that he burst onto the scene, um, you know, I, I was really proud of him. He was a guy that was a rookie for us last season and uh, worked really, really hard. And then when he got his opportunity this season, he took full advantage of it, and that's the thing you love seeing uh, when guys get an opportunity and 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 make it worthwhile. Really take it, and really take it. Yeah, go grab it, and um, he did that, and that was fun to watch. And, and as we said, it was a, a a rocket of a start to the Dan Quinn era, and he's a guy who we liked when he was in Seattle, and he looked like he really had you guys firing. As we said, the season didn't end the way you wanted it to, but what was your assessment of Dan in this first year as a rookie coach? He was awesome. You know, he he was great to be around. Uh, just. Such great energy day to day. Uh, comes in, knows how to fire up the guys, get the guys motivated. He's very clear in terms of what he expects from from each individual unit, from each individual player, uh, and I think guys really enjoy playing for him. One one thing that interests me, I always look at guys with a new coordinator in that second season. It seems to really come together. Obviously, Kyle Shanahan with you guys. How, how was that relationship and how do you see it developing into next season? Well, I think anytime you have a transition, it's tough because, you know, it's, things are just a little bit different yep. than what you're used to. Uh, I thought we made really good strides the entire year. I, I feel like although we started really hot and we did some great things, I felt like we were all on, on a better page yep. later, later in the season, particularly playing Carolina the second time. I thought that was us as an offense and what we need to do and be moving forward. But I think we'll be much better served for it last year. Uh, I think we know each other a lot better, and I'm looking forward to it. You've already hit the nail firmly on the head. We're seeing the and one Carolina Panthers, and the one <laughs> in the and one is you guys. So what is the template to beat this team? Well, you have to play really, really well. Uh, for us, it was very important to stay balanced, both run the ball and pass the ball efficiently. We didn't run the ball for a ton of yards, but we were able to have 30 rushing attempts, which slows down a defensive line. Their defensive line is about as good as it gets in the NFL, and we were able to slow it down uh, by running the ball and sticking with the run. And then we married our, our play-action passing game right to our run game. 
their linebackers are about as good as anybody about getting downhill and stopping the run. And so we use that to to our advantage of getting those guys down, making the run look exactly like it, and then throwing the ball deep behind their linebackers. Uh, And then we were great on third down. Uh, We we converted our third downs at a high level uh, and made some plays. So it's a simple formula. It's just really, really hard to do. <laughs> but I think the difference between you and maybe what we're going to see from Peyton Manning this weekend is I'm not sure we're going to see him throw an 81-yard touchdown pass <laughs> to his number one receiver. And, and Julio and your relationship, that, that's been incredible to watch over the years. Yeah, it's, uh, he's just such an unbelievable player. To me, he's the best in the game. Uh, he's incredibly athletic, gifted, physical, uh, competitive. But he's also extremely unselfish. I mean, he's, he's about as good of a teammate as you could ask for. He just wants to win, and he's willing to do whatever it takes to win games. Well, I remember that 200-yard game against my Green Bay Packers uh-huh. that he had. and just uh, You guys came away with the win. <laughs> well, we came away with the win. It was win, a pretty good game. Every time that you threw to Julio, you just thought, oh, no, not again. He is a, that big play guy, but he can also string lots and lots of passes together yeah he really can and in that game he i mean he got injured with i think we had maybe two drives left in that game he might have had he might have had 300 yards i mean (laughs) if he would have stayed in he was it was unbelievable to watch him play that game but that's just how talented he is you know it's just some guys are different than the other guys and he's one of those guys that's just different now sorry i just said the nfc south was uh a, a it, a losing team won that division last year. It in was the a Panthers. disgrace. And <laughs> disgrace. <laughs> I mean, Sorry. we did rename that. But I was I a part of that. So we nicknamed it the NFC disgrace. Uh, I do apologise. <laughs> so you're in town. You're here with Gillette, obviously, but your rivals are playing in this game and is there part of you that thinks right NFC South on the map you want to take on the champions twice a year or are you fully rooting for the Broncos on Sunday <laughs> like a little bit of both right like I, I really it, it, it's hard to root for the Panthers when you played them so many times uh, you know and you'd love to it'd be a cool story for Peyton Manning maybe this is his last game if he goes out that way with a Super Bowl it'd be really cool um, I just think it's going to be hard to beat the Panthers because they're such a complete team. I mean, they're they're really really good in all phases of of, uh, of their team. Yeah, and and just a final a final one from me. You were kind of a guy. I think it was 2012 when you're on the verge of the Super Bowl. Who was in that MVP conversation? People were talking about you as that elite guy. What do you need to do personally over the off season? And, and is the challenge for you to get back to that level? Well, I think it, it's finishing games. Yeah. You know, uh, the, the one thing I think we did really well in 2012 was find ways to win games late. You yeah. know, because in the NFL, your games are always going to be pretty close. Yeah, that Seahawks game, for example. That's was... it. That's it. And, you know, finding a way at the end of that game to get a couple completions to win. Uh, getting back to that and, and finding ways that we can be successful with the guys that we have, I think that's what gets us back to that level. Yeah. And you mentioned 2012 there. That's a prime example. That game against, remind me who it was again? Oh, yeah, the 49ers. Uh, <laughs> it was, was a game that you so close, so no close. Absolutely. There. I mean, we, we really, you know, seven or eight yards away from being in a Super Bowl, and you know, that's the fine line uh, that is the NFL, and, and uh, hopefully we can be on the right side of that fine line as we move forward. And also that retaken kick in, uh, in Wembley in, in London a few years ago as well. How about that? Yeah, for all, for all the listeners in, in the UK. I mean, I, I know football's becoming bigger over there now, but for them to realize how heartbreaking of a loss oh, that man. was for us, I mean, that was a long flight back to Atlanta after that game because... Uh, 
you know, felt like we should have won it about three times. Well, hopefully in two years' time, we'll see you come back again and, and leave the our shores with a win. I'll tell you what, we had a great time over there. It was right. a great experience. The, the atmosphere uh, for the game was about as cool as it gets. Wembley's a great place, and uh, you know, I really enjoyed it. Look, Matt, real pleasure. Thank you so much for coming over and taking the time to join us and for Gillette as well. And, and we wish you luck for ne- the off-season and going into next year. All right, I appreciate it. Use those razors, guys. Okay, okay. <laughs> if you come back round tomorrow, we'll all be clean shaven. <laughs> I can't believe you said to Matt Ryan that we call the NFC South the NFC disgrace last season. The, the brilliance. I was part of that. <laughs> but said kind of with... A real air of comedy was was one of the great moments of the day. It, it, it was it was great actually. I really liked Ricky it. Joyce, I was part of that. <laughs> What's your problem? It was very very funny, and he. I think by that point we'd established a bit of rapport and we'd shown that we liked him and his team, so he was all right to have a bit of fun with it. But uh, he, that was really great, and that's the kind of thing. Hopefully, we're going to get over the next few days, and you know, where can we hope to get ten minutes with Matt Ryan anywhere else? Yeah. Great stuff. And, and there's guys like I know there's guys like Joe Montana, Drew Brees are going to be ar- around tomorrow. So we're not promising we're going to bring those guys, but we already have some exciting guests lined up. Chan Kendrick West from the Kansas City Chiefs this year, and I'm sure Will can now fill me in on a couple of the other guys that he's been booking in. Well, it looks like there. we might be able to get uh, the Kansas City Chiefs owner. We're Kansas City Chiefs owner on Friday. Friday yeah. Both Allens, Alan Hearns is booked in for tomorrow morning, and Alan Robinson hopefully will be booked in for Friday morning. Just we've got, Alan. We've got Todd Gurley coming to join us on Friday morning as well. Cam Irving from the Browns. We've got Paxton Lynch, potential first-round yep. quarterback. He'll be joining us wow. on Friday morning. Uh, Lee Steinberg, super agent, who's been around here today. We're going to his party on Saturday, and he'll be joining us to talk about the fact that he has represented the most number one overall picks of all time at eight. Now, admittedly, some of those include the likes of Ryan Leaf, but obviously he's very good at his job because Ryan Leaf was minting it as a number one pick. And then he was burgling houses because he <laughs> blowed it all on whatever. <laughs> I'm glad you finished that sentence where you did, Matt Sherry. So we've got some really genuinely great stuff coming up over the next few days. And of course, the kind of interviews that just happen to uh, fall into your lap when you get to be doing stuff like this. Uh, I, I know... It, we're kind of banging on about how great and how fun it is but it's genuinely been a really really good couple of days mm. I'm desperate for some sleep last night we went out to the media party and me and Ollie found a barman who made a cracking whiskey sours oh my god it was I, so good I think I probably had about six drinks off him and slipped him a $30 tip which I think was pretty reasonable I think that was great and uh, <laughs> I gave him my thing thanks buddy well, yeah, uh, yeah. But he, he Can was. You guys, uh, just get a room, please. This is <laughs> we've, we've, we've got, got one, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I did you get into it then? I did wake up Ollie this morning at five a.m. by taking the loudest piss in the history of man because the toilets here have a ludicrous amount of water. Yeah, they in do. Them. Why do they really do that? Do. The water is pretty much full on, to on the brim. A, on a serious note, when when you kind of do have a big piss. You're very close to it, just getting over the rim. A little bit of overspill. Like on a morning when it's just flying out, you're like, oh, this is getting pretty <laughs> precarious. Just spotted Josh Dumal on the on the TV over there. Uh, oh, on the TV. J- Come on, mate. If, oh, no, but Josh Dumal, if you're familiar with him from uh, such shows as uh, that one he was in on TV and he's films Vegas, like... He was wasn't he? Yeah, he's, he's pretty famous, but Sherry went and literally chased him across the room. It was like Ronnie Lott was walking through. Chased him down... I've I told that story on the other version of the podcast. Damn it. I thought I was doing a really good callback. You chased him a good 50 feet away just to take a photo with him so you could wind your wife up. That was true, yeah. Absolutely. He is a, he's a handsome guy. And then I took the, I then sent the photo to my wife and got the similar sort of reaction. So. <laughs> the the um, 
Yeah, that was a great kind of 10 minutes. I then returned to my seat and FaceTimed my family to tell my wife and she was at my parents' house and I was chatting to me to me dad and then suddenly San Francisco 49ers running back Sean Drone comes and sits opposite. I kind of tell me dad he's there and Sean came around the table and started chatting to me old man for a couple of minutes. So uh, absolutely. Brilliant. It was a really crazy five minutes. I actually had a really good chat with Sean and, and that'll go out in a future podcast. This is the other thing. We're playing you these interviews we've got in today, but the stuff we've got that isn't going to make it into today's show, but that will play out over the next couple of months, the likes of Greg Jennings, uh, the full interviews with Michael Brockers and Jack Muhor, uh, Tim Crumry, who is a, a former Bengals defensive lineman. You'll remember him uh, if you remember Super Bowl 23 as the guy who brutally broke his yeah. leg in that game, but he came over and we had a fascinating conversation about concussions and really taking and that, CTE that story into a different place where I guess a lot probably all of our listeners have never had kind of the developments in terms of treatment that that are available out there yeah no doubt and then Sean Drone uh, of course well, I had a good chat with him and uh, fascinating talking to him about Jared Hayne and Jared Hayne's running style and also about the Chip Kelly offense and how uh, obviously the 49ers uh, play that kind of north-south very power running style and then you're going to get Chip Kelly coming in with his zone blocking and playing very much more lateral playing much more east-west and Sean Drone was like that's the kind of football I want to play. I was hoping when we were starting for the 49ers, maybe I'd be allowed to move to the outside occasionally yeah. instead of just making all these runs up the middle. So he seemed absolutely delighted with the higher chip. Yeah, play, we, we also spoke to a guy from the Philadelphia Eagles who kind of gave us an Brayman. insight onto what, what went wrong there. And mm. I got the impression that he wasn't overly disappointed to see Chip go, but it was interesting it, it, he kind of alluded to a lot of issues within the organisation and, and an understanding as to why Kelly got fired well we also spoke to Greg Jennings and uh, who who went on about his one phone call with Adam Gase and he still says that he's going to be a, a, a Miami Dolphin next season but it I didn't it really seem like he would be yeah. I think it was BS uh, <laughs> we won't talk about Greg Jennings anymore. That. And one of the best things about being here is seeing the classic Ollie Schmooze. Uh, getting out there and chatting people up. And oh, I, I love it. I was talking about the media party. We got off onto a tangent. So we went to this party and obviously we had quite a few drinks. We saw Dan Hansus brief, briefly. I only mentioned that because he complimented my hair game. Thank you. He really did. Um, but we went out afterwards. And so... The fact is, we're all feeling a little bit worse for wear today, and if this podcast is a little bit ropey and a little bit rambly, we apologise for that. We also saw the future of television today, Matt Sherry. Oh, <laughs> incredible. Virtual reality. I mean, we, we literally were stood courtside. Ability to move our heads and see all over the stadium and then watch Steph Curry make a three. It was absolutely incredible. And then the boxing was amazing as well. You'd, you'd sat at, you're at a corner and... The boxes, you could. Oh, it's, it, you're like, it's like you're right there. Yeah, it's amazing. And then, so just to explain, these are these kind of virtual reality headsets. The one, the one we used was the Samsung Gear with a with a S6 plugged into the front of it. So it's something you'll be able to do on your phone. And that Warriors Pelicans game, which we got to see the 30 second demo of, that's actually a game they streamed live in that fashion. That's not something they've recorded and then edited and put onto there. That was from a live streaming. Unbelievably good stuff. So. Uh, uh, the reason we mentioned that is obviously we, we were talking about this uh, the Gear VR and, and the guys came over from that and one of the people who's representing that was the brilliant Ronnie Lott and you're going to hear me fangirl a little bit here guys and I apologise for that already he signed my Hall of Fame jersey my limited edition one and I got a photo with him and uh, it was an emotional moment to happen at like 7.30 in the morning uh, I enjoyed it immensely were you up at 7.30? 
<laughs> yeah, I tell you what, mate. We were in here from uh, from uh, around about you know. Uh, I think it was about 6.30 we were here from, getting prepped for Ronnie Lott and then Jerry Rice. And <laughs> the <laughs> it's thing a is, hard knock we're gonna be We're going to be doing exactly the same tomorrow, except tomorrow we won't have been out drinking till 2 in the morning, uh, maybe. Uh, so it, we won't feel quite so terrible at the end of the day. You are second wind, Gavin. Uh, oh, Sher- Sherry had his favourite. Uh, the one thing I've noticed about you, Matt, is that you are uh, a man of great hyperbole. Yeah, I love some hyperbole. Anytime you eat a new meal, it is the greatest time you've ever had that. Yeah. And the the, uh, the Greek wrap, which you enjoy today. That was good, yeah. It was good. But earlier on, you were like, I'm definitely going there again. That's the best thing I've eaten. I never said it was the best thing I've eaten, actually. What's the best thing you've eaten since you've been here? Them ribs yesterday, they were great in the media centre. I think they might have been what gave me a dicky tummy, though. Well, Dad didn't have one. Uh, well, I quite like the potato skins. Oh, they strong. With the quail egg. I think we should go back to ten. Yeah, that was that was good. Good bar, good food. Well, again, Will, we're not good out drinking tonight. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I just got a second wind, guys. (laughs) Right, me me and Ollie have just been talking about your inevitable second wind. (laughs) There's a lot more than second winds in our territory. Whoa, (laughs) glorious! Right. So, on that illustrious note, let's look to our first interview of the day. The first person we spoke to earlier on, uh, the absolutely brilliant and delightful Ronnie Lott. So. We're now joined on Radio Row, and uh, they often say, don't meet your heroes, but this is the man that I personally believe is my favourite all-time 49er and my favourite all-time defensive back. So I I woke up at five this morning getting excited about this interview, and that's genuine. Uh, Four-time Super Bowl winner during the 80s with the 49ers on that incredible team. Ronnie Lott, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, man. I'm doing great, and thank you for the compliment, man. I appreciate you sharing your thoughts about that. Um, A lot of times in life, you don't realise that, you know, you have have people that they woke up to watch you play and they not only they wake up to watch you play but now they're able to share it with you so man thank you very much hey when you say wake up to watch you play we were watching you play at 1am most nights oh i know (laughs) i know that's what that i know that i know uh so look we've got loads to chat with you about but the first thing is and we've just had a go on this thing using the uh using the samsung that's the next vr joining us as well is is david kramer and I first had a play with one of these VR headsets probably about a year and a half ago, and at that point it was quite basic, a little bit of video, a couple of games, but we've just had a look at live sports on this thing, and that looks incredible. Yeah, we, we've put together a live broadcast platform for virtual reality, and we're bringing you know, live sports experiences to sports fans everywhere across the world, so taking it to, you know, to, to London and to, to Shanghai and throughout the United States, and we're working with you know, all the different uh, sports, uh, sports content uh, providers to, to provide those experiences. And the amazing thing is, it, Ollie just had a play with it. Look at him, he's yeah. still blown away. It was incredible. <laughs> Honestly, it was amazing. I've never seen anything like it. You put your head, uh, you put this thing around your eyes, so for, uh, for those that don't know, you put it around your eyes and you're inside the stadium and then you move your head to watch the, the ball move up and down the court. Oh, I, I just couldn't believe it. It would be really great for other sports like soccer, cricket. If you go over to India, cricket would be unbe- unbelievable. We actually, oh. we actually have cricket on the calendar uh, coming up in the next few months. So we're going to be you know, working to bring... That's the, the number two most popular sport in the world. Yeah. Behind, behind, behind soccer, behind European football. Uh, Ronnie, for you, I mean, are you seeing the game in this way? And could you imagine that when you were playing in the 80s, that one day a fan could sit at home with that on their head and be getting a 360 view? When you live out here in California and you live in Northern California, yeah, you can, you can, you can 
actually know that it's going to happen. You can actually know that the technology is going to happen. You can actually know that you're going to have companies like NextVR that are going to be in the forefront. What I love is the fact that not only are they in the forefront, the best part about it is for a fan, now you get a chance to actually feel. And here we were talking about you got a chance to know. <laughs> now you're going to have a chance to feel. And I think one of the great things about NextVR is that experience is going to be richer. That experience is going to be hey, so dynamic, as you pointed out. For guys in the UK who can't get over to games regularly, because it's oh, an 8, right, 11 hour flight, right. this that kind of thing is ideal. It'll be unbelievable. So when are you looking to have this rolling out? When are you looking to have live games on it? When are you looking to do I know the, the Warriors Pelicans you did do this year, but when when are we looking? When can somebody in the UK get their hands on this, this technology? So, so they can get their hands on the technology right now, and, and 2016 is going to be the year that we bring regular, regular scheduled content um, to the platform. We're, what we're doing now, you know, we did a week and a half ago. We did a live boxing match with with Fox. We did the we've done live NBA streams. We've done a, a number of live events, and, it, it, and 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 we're working to to uh, to bring the content. One of the things that's going to be particularly relevant, I think, uh, across across Europe and, and Asia in particular. We announced recently a partnership with the ICC, the International oh, wow, Champions yeah. Cup. So we're going to be bringing all those matches on our platform in virtual reality. I mean, our, our biggest problem is that we're on radio. You're going to put us out of <laughs> out of a job. No, they're not. No, no, no. The, the great thing for you guys is is that you get to talk about it. I mean, not only do you get to talk about, it, I think one of the fascinating things in sports is that you're the voices of the people right now. You're the voices of the people. You're the voices of the of of, of the Super Bowl. I mean, you get to let people touch and hear about Ronnie Lott and, and, and about Next VR. I think the, the bigger question is now people at some point are going to be able to sit there in the U.K. and to be able to sit, sit there and watch their best favorite athlete and be able to watch not only their best favorite athlete, that guy could be, you know, Cristiano Ronaldo. It could be, it could be Messi. Right. It could be one of those guys Ronnie, like that. We need to get on and talk about football. And oh, so oh, oh really? <laughs> I'm, I'm loving the next VR. But uh, the first thing is for the BBC this weekend, we're going to be doing our top ten Super Bowl moments, and one of them is a game you played in Super Bowl 23, the uh, 49ers 20, the Bengals 16. But going into that final drive, you're three points down, and and Joe is in the huddle with the offense and then he has this wonderful moment were you aware of what was being said in that offensive huddle when you were on the sideline just hoping they're going to go out and well you got to remember I was on the sideline and I was like we're not going to Disneyland you know because everybody was saying that well, hey if you go to the if you if we win the game we're going to Disneyland we're going to have all these ex- great experiences and and for me on on the sideline can he do it one more time can he do it one more time? And the funny thing about can he do it one more time is he did it one more time. You know, Joe was the kind of guy that in those situations, most people, their rear end is too tight. In his situation, <laughs> and just knowing him, he is very, very calm. Calm to the point where he said, hey, man, there's John Candy down here on the other side. So it was a great story that he comes into huddle and he's sitting there in the huddle and he goes, hey, guys, check it out. John Candy sitting down there. We got to go 98 yards. But they made he, he he points him out. And I think one of the great things for me is that when he pointed him out, it, it, it he was basically getting everybody to understand, man, 
it's not that big of a deal. We, we gonna, we're going to make this. So, I mean, as those 11 plays are developing and they're moving the ball down the field and you've got the penalty that moves at those stadiums, what's your reaction on the sideline as that's driving down? And then, of course, the touchdown pass, the hey, man, win. I can tell you, first of all, starting where we were at, you know, like a lot of things, it's a thriller. You're sitting on the sideline, man, at the edge of your seat. You're going, there's just no way. And then eventually you get down the field and he throws the ball to the one guy and he drops it. And when he drops it, I'm like, oh, God, thank you, thank you, thank you. And then, of course, he then catches the ball, you know, and John Taylor catches the touchdown. And you guys know, and I know that right that moment for me, that moment for me, I started realizing that, wait a minute, we got to go back on the field. We got to stop them. <laughs> we got to, you know. And so, we, all of a sudden, the emotion of the Super Bowl was the fact that we couldn't lose this one. And the reason we can't lose this one is that we got to go back out there and stop Boomer Sison. Went back on the field. We we're able to stop Boomer Sison. Game over. But in those situations, as big as the moment was of John Taylor, and as big as the moment was, we had to be focused on the fact that we had to go back out there and get our job done. So, yeah. Uh, Great, exciting, thrilling moment for a lot of people. A, a, a tight, you know, moment for me and a tight moment for our defense to go back out on the field and get the job done. And listen, that West Coast offense, we talk so much about it. And Joe Montana and Jerry Rice, who's here today, just over there with NFL yeah. Network at the moment. Uh, but I, I kind of feel like the defense is forgotten in that. I mean, yourself, you've been just announced in the Super Bowl Golden team, which is fantastic. But... What was it like in practice when it's you guys going up against Jerry Rice and going up against Joe Montana? And Well, I can tell you this. The best part about it, for me, the best part about it is that Jerry, Joe, and anybody that you ever competed against, there was a sense of bringing your best every day. So imagine today you're waking up and you're saying, hey, you know what? Today is my best day. And I'm going to give you everything I could possibly give you. Jerry was the best at giving you everything. He was the Michael Jordan of being able to show you that every day mattered. And so for us, he, he raised the bar and created a standard of how we were going to practice. And for all of us, we practiced very, very hard. But practicing against those guys made me better. I mean, one of the reasons I think I got the yellow jacket was because <laughs> you know, of a guy like Jerry Rice and practicing against him and Joe and Roger Craig and and Russ Francis and, and all the greats that you know were on that team and John Taylor. And so there were so many guys on that team that had the sense of knowing their responsibility, but not only knowing their responsibility, but their sense of excellence. And Bill Walsh was the orchestrator of making sure that excellence mattered every day. Look, Ronnie, uh, we've got to get out. I know you've got so much to do today and carry on with the next VR. And But I just a final question. You're here at Super Bowl 50, back in the Bay Area, where you had so much success for all those years. So how do you see Sunday going? Who do you see taking home that, that trophy? Well, Sunday should be a game where we're talking about the defense and it should be a game where we're talking about both defenses I think everybody wants to talk about the the other things with the game but to me it's going to be a great defensive game I think Luke Keekley is the best football player on the field I think wow. Luke Keekley wow. will be able to bring it home and I think the Panthers are going to win the game great stuff so Ronnie and David thank you so much for joining us for Next VR and for BBC it's been really great I really appreciate your time thank thanks you. so much thank you. thank you Ronnie just before you go uh, yeah. 
Roddy Lott there, genuinely delightful. Hearing the stuff about uh, what Jerry Rice did for him was was brilliant and what playing opposite him wasn't. <laughs> I just thought we had Dwight Clark approaching us at the back again. Is it, He's still over there. Definitely try and grab him as he walks past and just get a quick live comment on the podcast about these great players. But we saw him about Super Bowl 23 and about that play because it's going to be on the BBC show on Thursday night where they talk about the top 10 Super Bowl moments. That's produced by our friend Simon Clancy, obviously contribu- contributor to Gridiron, top bloke. He's going to be doing that show and uh, we I briefly managed to grab Jerry Rice as well and ask him about his memories of that great moment where Joe Montana in the huddle of the drive that he needed to go and score to win a game looked up and spotted John Candy in the stands oh my god I, I remember uh, Joe Montana he comes in the huddle he squats down he's calling out two plays and someone says something about John Candy being in the stands I had complete uh, blinders on because I was so focused in on what I had to do and to be able to move that ball all the way downfield over 80 yards. 92 on 11 plays, I can tell you exactly. It was 92, (laughs) oh my God. You know, with everything on the line and uh, winning that Super Bowl is just something I'll never forget. Fantastic. And for this weekend, what are your thoughts? Uh, should be uh, a good football game, uh, Panthers <laughs> and also Broncos. Uh, we just got to wait and see because, you know, you know, I think a lot of people are leading, leaning towards uh, the Panthers. But this is the Super Bowl. Anything can happen. You never want to count uh, Omaha. I was going to say, you uh, never lost Manning one, so. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, we're just going to have to watch him and, and, and let this one play out. But uh, it's going to be a good football game. Jerry, real pleasure. Genuinely. Hey. Say never meet My heroes. Pleasure, it's not man. true. My pleasure, <laughs> Do you know what I loved about that most of all? Is that he made you think that he didn't know the exact details of that drive. Oh, yeah, he, when he went, uh, I think it was about 80 yards, and I was like, I think you mean 92 yards, 11 plays, Jerry but, Rice. But uh. he, <laughs> the thing is, he knew that, but he st- these NFL players are so skilled at making you think that you're the most important person. Jerry Rice must have spoken to 50, between 50 and 100 people today. Yep. Uh, like, I mean, in interview situations, he obviously yeah. took photos with dozens and hundreds of more than that, but you know what I mean? He did interviews with a lot of people today, and I was just one of those people, but... He's such a personable and lovely guy that he makes you feel like in that brief moment that you're the only person that matters in the world. He probably locked eyes with me, chatted to me, got into it, and, and it was great chatting to him. So really, obviously enjoyed that. Got a photo with him, which if you've looked on Twitter, you can see the beaming smile on my face. So the day started off pretty strong for the Gavin. Again, what I loved about that. You're never going to call yourself the Gavin. <laughs> no, that was pretty much the worst thing I've ever done. It was, at least it wasn't the G unit. Um, what My favourite thing about it was that... Um, these these Hall of Famer guys are so nice and warm and uh, personable and lovely. Ronnie Lott was exactly the same. Uh, I was disappointed that Ronnie wasn't wearing his gold jacket. Jerry uh, Jerry Rice was, and the gold jacket kind of is it's not it doesn't shine but it's like you can see it from a mile off and it looks resplendent in here I've been genuinely annoyed that there are at least two members of the media here who are wearing similarly coloured suit jackets to the Hall of Fame gold jacket and uh, genuinely clearly intentional me. as well yeah, isn't it genuinely annoys me it's trying to get attention trying to get people to come up and talk to them and it is utterly ludicrous all of the security staff have got uh, got Titans mustard Dijon mustard coloured uh, 
uh, yeah, sort of goldy type jackets. So not the greatest look, but I still quite like them. They're theoretically meant to be gold. But right, Jacket ha- watch. We've got a few more interviews we want to bring. We want to do a little bit of Michael Brockers, a little bit of Jack Muhort, and then we've got to break down our part of the game that we're going to break down today for yep. our daily feature that Ollie came up with that we've not come up with a name for. Uh, but should we, first of all, let's should we hear from Mike Haynes? Because if yeah, you, he's a lovely guy. If you listen to the interview with Mike Haynes last year, we got about 15 minutes with him. We talked a lot about his career with the Raiders, a lot about the, the time he spent in L.A. And, and it's great to speak to him now because as an L.A. Raider and as a guy who was from Los Angeles and grew up supporting the Rams, we talked about that. We talked about prostate cancer again because it's not a problem that's gone away in the 12 months since yeah. we've been away. I mentioned uh, Brett the Hitman Hart to him who announced on Facebook today that he's just been diagnosed with prostate cancer. And a brilliant moment where he just presumed that we could call Brett the Hitman Hart. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure he knew who Brett Hitman Hart was. <laughs> who is and he? I think he assumed that we knew him. And Do you not know who Brett Hart is? Nope. Nine, famous 90s wrestler. Nope. Are you joking? No, I don't like him. I mean, Literally, I, I, Scraggs is disgusted. The look on his face. Scraggs, I'm going to pop the mic up for a second. Just give us an immediate reaction to your thoughts on Ollie not knowing who better than man eyes. What? Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I, no, I don't know who he is. Well, he's just got prostate cancer, and he posted this really emotional message on Facebook, and it was great. And I, I, So we chatted about the, the Know Your Stats where's stuff. Your music now? Oh, wow. We talked about, about to cry. You know. uh, has, has anybody spotted that just behind Ollie there, there is the option to do diving NFL catches into a foam bath? What? I'm going to be doing that in about 15 minutes. Time. You know what we need to do? We need to go and find Warren Moon or someone like that and catch a pass off a, an NFL Hall of Fame quarterback. Yeah, that could be nice. There are a few of them milling around. Warren who? Great. That joke, that joke is literally <laughs> never going to get old. It's no. th- three years ago that happened now, <laughs> and forever he will be Warren Moon who? Uh, Does it, do you do that when Warren comes on the show? Because he's obviously a good friend of the show. I definitely don't. Okay. Uh, I, and in fact, when he does come on the show next time, or if he comes on tomorrow, I'm going to make sure you say it to his face. After what? trolley with your favourite brands on rollback at Asda. A 38-pack of Fairy Non-Bio Capsules was £8.50, now £5.75. And Lenore Gold Fabric Conditioner was £4, now £2.50. Big brands, small prices. Don't compromise. Asda. Save money, live better. Selected stores subject to availability. Lenore, 1.925 litres. Ends 18th of March. You did the Matt Ryan today. That's not going to be an issue. <laughs> what do you mean? I was part of that disgrace. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. So let's hear from uh, Hall of Fame cornerback. We started the day with a Hall of Fame defensive back. We ended the day with a Hall of Fame defensive back. Brilliant stuff. This is former Patriot, former Los Angeles Raider, Mike Haynes. Uh, we've got this is going to be a, an amazing way to bookend the day today because we started the day talking with a Hall of Fame defensive back and one yep. of the greatest of all time and we're ending the day talking with a defensive oh. back it was Ronnie Lott at the start of the day the end of the day joined us last year of course Michael Haynes Mike how have you been enjoying your Super Bowl 50 experience so far so far really good it's a little bit funny to walk around and everyone wearing these big jackets and scarves and everything it's 60 <laughs> degrees people <laughs> Come on, that's that's warm. So that's a, that say, is a summer's day in the UK. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was going to say, for us Brits, I, I was in shorts yesterday. <laughs> uh, no, Mike, we, we, we spoke last year, and obviously for people who, who aren't aware, maybe didn't listen to last year's interview, uh, Hall of Fame cornerback with the Los Angeles Raiders, with the Patriots uh, as well, but you're talking about a much more important thing right now than football, to be honest, and it's something that we talked about in depth, obviously, last year, but 
it, it's not an issue that goes away, prostate cancer. Um, I mean, the big announcement today, it's not football related, but Brett the Hitman Hart came out on social media today and announced the world that he had prostate cancer and, and talked about raising awareness and, and raising money for it. So, so what are you guys doing for prostate cancer here and, and what can people do to get involved? Well, let, let me ask you, if you, did he say what his Gleason score is? I, I don't think he did in his, uh, in his post, no. Well, ask him. You okay. get a chance. I'll Ask him. him. Okay. <laughs> so if his Gleason is six, mm -hmm. then he found out early, and he's going to be fine. So that's, that's kind of the message with prostate cancer. Know your family history. Know your own personal risk. If it runs in your family, there's a one in three chance that you're going to get it. If you're African American, there's a one in five. For all men, it's one in seven. So most men are going to get this disease before they die. And... It's something that you, you personally uh, overcame and battled through and, and, and talk to us just about your experience. Well, that's, that's and, and what how, I'm saying. How so, you came to be diagnosed and what happened with you. So, so many men are going to get it and I knew absolutely nothing. Uh, when I talked to a, a doctor at a screening and he was asking me these questions, what was my PSA? I didn't even know what PSA was. Um, and if it ran in my family, I had no idea. I knew my grandfather died of something but I didn't know that it was prostate cancer. So not knowing my risk, my doctor suggested I go for a biopsy after looking at my chart and having a conversation with me. And a biopsy is the only real way to tell if you have prostate cancer. So they found I had cancer in nine of the 12 places that they checked. So I had a good amount of prostate cancer. Yeah. But we found out early and uh, my Gleason was six. That's why I was asking them about the Gleason. It, it measures the aggress aggressiveness of the cancer. So they said I had plenty of time to make a good choice and a good decision of how I wanted to deal with it. And I, had, I chose to have my prostate removed completely. And I'm living a normal life without a prostate, which you can. In the old days, when I say old days, say 20 years ago, um, the results were not really good. When a man had his prostate removed, they wanted to make sure they got all the cancer, and so they, they would destroy a lot of the nerves. Yeah. And, uh, and men had a lot of issues because of that. But today, with the technology the way it is, they're not having trouble with the nerves. They're, they're, they're able to go right around the nerves. They can see the nerves, um, and uh, they're having fantastic results. So you can have pretty much a normal life. You know, if, but the trick is catching it early. If you wait until you're seeing symptoms, oftentimes that's too late. That's why the blood test is the best way right now. So simple uh, blood test and a digital rectal exam takes the rectal exam takes five seconds. Most men are like going through the roof when they think about that, um, but it doesn't take very long. And the blood test is you could something you can do every year. So if you're if it runs in your family, you should start when you're about 40. You know, ha at least yeah. at least having a conversation with your doctor. If it doesn't run your family, you can wait till you're like 50, like most things that men do, you know, like colon and all that, with all the other things we do. You don't have to worry about it until you're in your 50s. Prostate cancer would be the same unless it runs in your family. Uh, and in, te in terms of what you guys do with the NFL and, and, what, and, the, and the Urology Care Foundation, just tell us a little bit about Know Your Stats and where people can find out more information. Well, Know Your Stats is uh, it's our awareness campaign, and it's really a website, knowyourstats.org where there's a lot of frequently asked questions, uh, a place where you can go to learn about um, what's going on in your own community, what's, what kind of research um, you know, is being done, and uh, some of the new results and things like that. Um, but it's an awareness campaign where we use football players, a lot of them Hall of Famers, not always, to 
encourage men to go talk to their doctors or encourage women to talk to their husbands to go see their doctors um, and, and uh, uh, about dealing with their prostate cancer issues. And I, it's such a hugely important issue to be raising on, and I'm glad that you're able to again come and join us and talk about it. But obviously, there's plenty of football to talk about as well. You're here in your gold jacket. We yep. love seeing That's you. That's why we're here, really, right? the Hall yeah. of Fame. Yeah. No, no, no. We're, we're, you know, <laughs> uh, raising issues of health is, is hugely important. Oh, I appreciate you guys for that. I, I want to know before we talk about the Super Bowl, of course, you played for the Los Angeles Raiders, and in these last couple of months, we've had the announcement that the Rams are going to be returning to, to LA. What are your thoughts on a team returning to Los Angeles? I know it's not the Raiders but, but having a team back in that great city. Well I grew up in Los Angeles so I grew up a Ram fan Yeah. <laughs> so I'm glad that there's going to be football in Los Angeles LA is a football community they love football, they deserve a great a great football team and a great venue to watch football so I'm really excited about that um, the pluses that a team bring to a community is, is huge especially when you're talking about kids so when you're um, need someone to talk to a kid about making better decisions, about um, not drinking, not doing drugs, about you know, uh, doing the right things in life, what better person to talk to their kid about it than a, a professional athlete? And so football teams are doing that all over America. Um, they do a lot to help with charity and other um, uh, organizations that are trying to be doing meaningful things in the community. And the Los Angeles folks haven't had that for a while. They've had the Galaxy, um, they've had the Lakers and the Clippers and the Dodgers and the Angels, um, but they haven't had a football team. And the, most of the football teams take a lot of pride in doing that, and they, they try to excel at that. Are you still based in? Uh, are you still based in Los Angeles now? No, I live in San Diego now. Believe it or not, North <laughs> County of San Diego. <laughs> so hopefully, you've still got a football team there. In the <laughs> yeah, exactly, well. exactly. <laughs> so you know, it's really funny um, this year and. And for many years, I guess, the Chargers, their stadium fills up with the team that they're playing against. Yeah. Instead of it being Charger fans, there are more Raider fans and Patriot yeah. fans and Bronco fans and Chief fans, you know, than there are Charger fans. And that's uh, that's a little, um, you know, upsetting, I think. For, you know, it shouldn't, shouldn't be that way. It should be loaded with Charger fans. Yeah, absolutely. Hopefully it will be going forward. Yeah, and um, it would be remiss ahead of Sunday to have a guy like yourself with us and not touch upon defensive backs in this game. The Denver group is absolutely exceptional, probably the best group in the league with the depth in terms of one to three. How do you assess those guys and how do you assess the matchups on Sunday? Well, I think both teams have a great defense and both have great secondary players, defensive players, yeah. defensive back players. And um, the, the challenge is going to be Denver because Cam Newton is going to be extending plays by running around, and that's a nightmare for a defensive back. Yep. I don't care who you are, yep. you know, it's going to be a nightmare. If a guy runs his regular route that he's supposed to run on this play, not so tough. But if the quarterback extends the play and now the receiver is just trying yep. to get open, it's just freelance. It's, it's a nightmare, and, uh, and, and Cam Newton does that for his team, and, and he has a cannon of an arm, so he can throw it a long way. Hey, you guys were able to come into a Super Bowl, though, and hold a, a Washington team coached by Joe Gibbs, who were a, a great team at that point, and hold them to just nine points. I mean, how do, you, how do you prepare yourself for a big game in such a way that you can do have that kind of performance on a defense? Well, um, the, the Raiders had played the Redskins earlier in the year, and uh, early in the year, the Redskins had beaten them, and they were defending Super Bowl champs, so they were expected to win. I'd never been on a field where the team that we were going to play was so confident 
you could see it in just their body language, yeah. the way they said hello to you, you know, it's completely different. Um, <laughs> I had never seen anything like that. And so when we went back into the game, into the locker room before the game, I think everybody was ready and prepared for a big war when we walked out. And so um, that's what we got. So we, we kept our game faces on for four quarters and uh, came out victoriously. Our defensive coordinator did a great job putting us in the right place to make big plays. And we did. We made quite a few big plays. And Joe Theismann, who was, who was having a fantastic career, you know, for two years in a row, just wasn't able to get on track that day, and that helped us. And you personally got to pick him off as well. I did. I got lucky. I got lucky. <laughs> and uh, I'm sure you're a Hall of Fame corner. You're allowed to say you got more than lucky. Well, you know, I, I, um, I didn't even, at the time, didn't even realize, wow, I got a Super Bowl, an interception in the Super Bowl. It was many years after I retired that everyone goes, hey, you got a Super Bowl uh, interception. I go, yeah, I did. You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's, it's now gaining importance. I wish I would have played in more Super Bowls. To me, that's why we play this game. Um, it's to play in the, the biggest game every year. I only got to do it once. So the guys who get to do it more than once, I'm, I'm a little jealous of them, you know. Um, win or lose, it's still a, a huge accomplishment to get there. This, this is an interesting thing to look back on. I know we're talking about this year's game and, and maybe a, an odd one, but when we last spoke, it was just three days before the last Super Bowl. And, and we spoke at that point about how you'd always wished that you'd won one with the Patriots and you hadn't had to move away. Well... The end of that game was, of course, uh, finished off by a rookie corner in Malcolm Butler and what yeah. a play he made. And how did you see that play and that performance? Because I kind of wanted to ask you at the time, I thought, where's Mike Haynes? Like, <laughs> I, like, I need to ask him about that because that was an incredible play. That was such an incredible play. And we will remember that play for as long as we live. Yeah. You know, that was, that was such a big interception, a key interception. Mine wasn't like that, you know. Mind the game was already out of hand, and they they were trying to catch up. It didn't mean as much. But that one, he doesn't make that play. They lose. They might lose that game. So it was you know it was a it was a great game to watch. I, I couldn't believe the play before when the, the receiver caught the ball. I couldn't believe that play. Yeah, that was unbelievable. Absolutely um, unbelievable. So two back to back great plays, or you know pass type plays, and uh, Malcolm Butler is really a good player. This year I got a chance to watch him. That wasn't luck. I mean, he's a good player. Yeah. He's a solid player. He, he kind of, it was that game at the start of the season where Bill Belichick really showed his faith in him by putting him on, on Antonio yeah. Brown. But for, for a guy who was undrafted and is now in his second year, he looks like he could really take that step yeah. and become one of the elite corners in the league, doesn't he? Yeah, it's, it's fun to watch um, you know, guys like him come into the league, surprise everybody, and then you wonder, is he going to be able to, you know, keep it going. Yep. And he is. I think he's in the right place being uh, at the Patriots where they, they take every game seriously. Yeah. They don't look past any competitor. And uh, he's in a good environment to learn, to develop really great habits that will help him for the rest of his career. And what, what was that moment like for you last year? You obviously played for the Patriots. Was that, were you, were you rooting for the Patriots in that game? Of course was I was rooting it? for him. Well, one thing, I've rooted for the AFC my entire career and afterwards yeah i've only rooted for the nfc once and that's when new orleans saints were in it and it was after hurricane katrina yeah. and we needed some something positive to help the people down there that was the only time i ever really rooted for the nfc so i'm back to my usual game rooting for the afc <laughs> and uh hoping that somehow some way the broncos will find a way to win and do you think that the, do you think that they can find a way to win as a defensive back 
you look at Akeem Talib, Chris Harris, can those guys, especially if something you touched upon earlier, especially if those guys up front can keep Cam in the pocket and stop him extending plays, is that how Denver win the game? I think that's a good good way to do it, you know. And um, you know, Wade Phillips is he's genius. He's one of the great defensive coordinators of all time. Yep. And uh, no one, I I never expected New England to get beat by Denver. No, did I? I don't think anyone did, but they did. And so I don't think anyone's expecting Denver to beat Carolina, but they could. Yeah. And uh, that's why we watch. That's why we come, and that's why they play the game. Yeah. Did you did you in your career do a huge amount? I know it's become quite popular recently uh, of corner blitzes of getting off and getting to the quarterback as well. Because obviously we talk about the big. I did that. We did that. Is, is that something where you got? How much fun is it when you're in a defense where you look at someone like Wade Phillips and he he does do so many different looks and so many disguised looks and the the defensive backs do get a chance to get up there and try and hit the quarterback. Yeah. That's got to be great fun. As a that's a lot of fun. You know, I I didn't get to blitz the quarterback very much. But I sure wanted to, you know. <laughs> um, you know, in practice we'd run it. I would, I hope we hope they call my number in the game, and uh, and I I did get a I think I got one or two sacks in my career, um, but it's also I realized though on uh, on those blitzes that the offensive linemen are pretty dang strong, and uh, I actually had uh, against the Kansas City Chiefs I was blitzing, and a guy barely saw me at the very last minute and just stuck his arm out. And knock me to kingdom come. I mean, he knocked me seven yards. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess the uh, I guess the ones where the quarterback doesn't see you coming, and, and they're that's the same. The one. As, they're that's the, the one you're that looking you for. You're looking for the guy who doesn't see you coming. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, look, before we go, Mike, there's one more guy I wanted to ask you about. And again, this is more a bit of a weird left field one. But uh, as a former Raider, a guy who retired this year, Charles Woodson, many of them talking about. We've, we can talk Ronnie Lott today. We can talk to Mike Haynes as well. I think we can talk about someone yeah. as good as. Charles Woodson and uh, he retired this year and, and really want to ask you while we're talking about health how impressive is it that he can have the longevity to switch from corner to safety to go for that long in his career to play until he's 40 41 years old that's pretty incredible that is incredible and uh, it's something that I wanted to do it's something I talked to Al Davis about me doing Al didn't want me to do it so, really and so at that stage of my career no one was really interested in me playing corner I was 37 you know and uh, and so I ended up having to retire because if if if, you, if I had never played safety, why would a team bring me in to play safety? The only place I was going to be able to play would have been for the Raiders, and Al said no to it. So it didn't happen for me. I'm glad it happened for Charles. He's had a, re- a remarkable career, college career and pro career. Um, he's been um, a game changer, and he's been a great spokesperson for the game, for the Raiders, Packers, you know, um, his, he's still got a bright future. It'll be interesting to see how he contributes to the sport afterwards, you know, off the field. Certainly. I, we, we know you're pulling for the Broncos this weekend, and, and we're hoping for you they win. Just for one final time for people who need to know about this, because I think everyone needs to know about it. We talk about, you say, no, those stats, the one in seven men, one in five African-American men. Those are incredibly yes. high numbers. So uh, just one more time, where can people find out more about it and what should they do about going and getting checked? And so we just want en- encourage men to know their own personal risk. If it runs in their family, have a conversation with their doctor. That's really important. And go to, if they have questions, they, you know, they're wondering, do, are they having symptoms now? Go to the website, knowyourstats.org. And they have a lot of frequently asked questions. 
They have information a lot of times of what's going on in their community. Sometimes there's information for free screenings in their area. But you can always shoot an email to anyone. And it was the American Neurological Association that I reached out to in my situation to figure out what I should do. And they were phenomenal. And that's one of the reasons I'm enjoying working with them. They've, they've done a fantastic job and continue to do a fantastic job. Fantastic. Mike, anything you want to add to, to this, Jerry? Uh, no, I can tell you that you had, by the stats book, one career sack, and that came in 1985. <laughs> Who was it again? No idea. Oh. I just know it was 1985. <laughs> so it was one. Almost two. You, you, you'll, have been, you'll have been close a few times. Yeah. I reckon the stats guys robbed you, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Mike, real pleasure. Again, as always, and, and thank you so much for joining us. Thank you Thanks for so having much. me. I appreciate you guys. Mike Haynes there. Genuinely go to knowyourstats.org because there's some really fascinating stuff on there, and it is prostate cancer genuinely a big deal and I know we've been if you've been listening to these interviews you can hear that a part of being here is the corporate shilling and you know they're all here to sell a product but that is a that is a very 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 big deal are you who are you is there somebody super famous behind no, us just, or something just pay Carlisle milling around <laughs> looking. oh yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> He's, he, he looks like looking. a wandering meerkat <laughs> he looks like a lost guy without him so much as a map or a compass, doesn't he? Absolutely brilliant. So, let's get on and talk about the weekend's game then. Uh, we had the brilliant moment from Cam Newton today, but otherwise there's not been a huge amount of news from the teams. Not, not at all. We know, uh, again, Thomas Davis is practising full again today, so that's big news. Jared Allen practised in full again today, and we talked to... Uh, who did we talk to today who coached Jared Allen or, or had... Uh, it was, um, it was uh, Tim, Tim Crumry. Tim Crumry, he did indeed. He coached Jared Allen previously and was telling us that he's the kind of guy who when he's going to go he is going to go so it's, it's going to be interesting to see which of those guys make that step up and do play in the Super Bowl despite those injuries but we spoke to a couple of players today including one guy who, for whom it is to play that Ram it of the sent uh, LA Rams. Yeah, you're Michael doing it again. Yeah. You're doing it again. <laughs> that one was admittedly on purpose. Yeah, but, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, of the uh, LA Rams, Michael Brockers, um, uh, we asked him about the defensive tackle tandems and what it's like playing with Aaron Donald yep. and how that compares with. Basically, can they look at what Denver have done with a, a, a good running game? Uh, a slightly lacking quarterback and a great defense, and can they use that as a blueprint for what they can do in LA? It is, but we can be better. You know, um, I think I, I read an article a couple of days ago where they were trying to compare us to to Denver, and, and I looked at Denver. I was like, "Geez, they they are getting it done. They yeah. are coming in mm. in a clutch." You know, fourth quarter, they're after pay, you know Tom Brady. I'm like, that's what that's how we need to be. We need yeah. to be when when the team when we need to or when we're called on, we need to you know execute and and, and get that offense back on the field. I think that's what separates good defenses from yep. great defenses is when when a great defense gets on the field and they need the ball back they get the ball back yep. and I think that's what we need to change I think there's actually an interesting comparison as well with the Panthers because uh, the, the kind of 4-3 defense and getting pressure in that fashion right. has gone a little bit out of vogue in the NFL recently mm-hmm. it's all been about fast outside linebackers right, right, right. whereas you guys much like the Panthers you've got yourself and I mentioned him already Aaron Donald right. as that pairing in the middle who can mm-hmm. get pressure what's it like playing with Aaron what's your relationship like because that's I mean right, right, that right. could be so destructive mm-hmm. um, I mean I love Aaron Aaron's you know like my little brother but you know I learn so much from him because you know he is a, a student of the game you know he's always watching film he's always watching himself and I just learned from him just learn you know instinctively what what he's feeling you know okay why did you do this why did you do that 
how did you feel this? I'm always asking questions, so he's probably I'm probably annoying him. But um, <laughs> you know, I, I you know our brotherhood and our friendship, you know, is, is closer. So I know how to play off of him. You know, or if I mess up in the game, blow blow a coverage or whatever, blow an assignment, I can come to him and tell him, okay, that was me. I, I got it. You know, and, and we're gonna be fine. And, and we just get it done, man. Now I've got to ask you a question. Adam Schefter's tweeted out this morning. You've probably been asked about this already, but the LA Rams uh, have shown interest in bringing in Peyton next season right. if he decides to continue playing football. Right. Just thoughts on the idea of having Peyton I mean, Manning on your team. I don't. I don't want you to throw your current room, quarterback under the Rumors are rumors. Anything. I remember yeah. last year they were talking about bringing back Brett Favre. So <laughs> not going to put anything into it, man. We just got to play it out, and I just hopefully, hopefully he goes off on top. Great stuff, Sherry. Uh, no, I'm all good. That's the, that's uh, I, Michael, it's been a real pleasure chatting to you. We're looking forward to you coming over to the UK right, later Thank you guys year. for having me. What, what, what the UK fans can expect from the Rams, just give us an idea of what the, what uh, the football's uh, going to look like next year. We're gonna physical, be having physical <laughs> and, and, and we're going we're, we're gonna to rock the place. That's it. That's it. I'm not going to give any, any more. Michael, genuine pleasure. Thank you so all much right, for joining thank us. You, thank you, guys. Cheers. Ram it. That was indeed Michael Brockers of the LA Rams. There we go. Got it this time. Bang. Wow. The dirt is gone. It's about, um, <laughs> about tenth time lucky. Uh, um, well, did we decide which unit we were going to break down today? Because we did the Panthers defense yesterday. Yeah. So we could talk about the Broncos defense because we also spoke with Jack Muhort of the Indianapolis Colts, a guy who, as a guard, had to face up back-to-back weeks. He has a quite a unique perspective on this. He lost to the Carolina Panthers in that tight overtime game where the Colts pulled back 17 points uh, in the fourth quarter, and then they lost in overtime to the Panthers, and then they beat the Broncos the following week so we asked him a little bit about whether or not they th- he thought they had the blueprint for beating these teams you, you, uh, you're in quite a unique position this weekend because you guys played obviously the Panthers and Broncos back to back weeks this season that ridiculously tight loss against the Panthers where you, you claw back 17 points in the fourth quarter yeah. and then you're beating the Broncos the following week a team you know these two of the best teams in the NFL so from your assessment of what you've seen particularly from these defences who do you think it got the slight advantage from two brilliant defensive units. Yeah, you know, I both defenses are, have, were so great, top to bottom, from the DBs to the linebackers to the, you know, obviously the defensive line, the guys I played against. And it's it's tough from my perspective to give anybody the advantage, but I know that on both sides of the ball, they got great players in both teams, and uh, I, I just want to see a good game. And I can't, you know, I can't give anybody the advantage. Um, I do have a lot of friends, ex-teammates, Buckeyes playing in this game, so I'm excited to see them go out there and. You know, do well and have a great game on both sides of the field. So, uh, you know, I, I just want, as a football player, I just want to see a competitive, good football game. Is just how do you cover? You're you playing inside, you're playing guard, and you've got K1 Short and Starlo Tulele yeah. coming at you. They, they, I, we interviewed both of them earlier this week. They are two terrifyingly large men, yeah. and so quick as well, and their first step's incredible. What do you guys work on in the week to try and figure out blocking scheme to deal with those kind yeah, of guys? Yeah, you know, when you guys, you got guys like that, you know, they're just great, they're great football players, and you talk about Kawan Short, I've been playing against him since college, so I knew going into it, like, you know, I, I had my hands full, but, uh, you just you got to study and you got to practice hard and go out there and you got to execute the best you can and you got to realize that you're not going to win every battle against guys like that because they are they are great players but you just got to keep fighting and clawing and uh, do your best to get your job done. And then on the other side of the ball, Derek Wolf, who's just got better and better as this season has yeah. got on. Again, an inside guy. And it feels like yeah, if you try and force him to the outside, he's still going to be able to make a move. And if you let him on the inside, he's going to get to the quarterback. And yeah. I just, 
I don't know what you do with a guy like that. Yeah, you know, Derek Wolf and Malik Jackson for them are yeah, a, both. A great inside players. So, um, you know, like I say, you just got to prepare and be ready to play your hardest. And you can't, you know, you, you have to play till the, the echo of the whistle is what we call it. Just finish, finish, finish. And, uh, you know, like I said, try to win more than they do. And, uh, like, you know, those guys, they're going to they're gonna make their plays. They're great football players. But at the end of the day, you just got to do your best to execute and get the job done. Jack Muhor of the Indianapolis Colts there. And as with all of these interviews, we're playing you in a couple of minutes, but we will bring them to you in full and we'll discuss their teams and break them down once we're into the actual offseason. But it's Super Bowl week, boys and girls. We're on Radio Row. There's a beautiful banner behind you with Jonathan Stewart and Luke Keekley. I was going to say that as well. <laughs> and on the other side, Emmanuel Sanders and uh, Demarcus Ware. I had to really work that out because I had to crane my neck around and apparently I've lost all ability to turn around. Uh, there's so much going on. It's absolutely fa- fascinating, but we're really all here for Sunday and for a game of football. So we broke down the Panthers' defence yesterday. Do we want to move on to the Broncos' offense? Yeah, let's do the Broncos' offense. That could be interesting. Even though we've just heard two people talk about defenses, let's move on and talk about something we've not discussed. Well, we did speak with Vance, uh, uh, Vance Johnson about this yesterday with a Broncos wide receiver, and obviously a huge amount of their offensive scheming has got to be around not making mistakes. Because if Peyton Manning doesn't turn the ball over and he does exactly what he did uh, in, the, in the two playoff games that he's played, keeps it safe, doesn't turn the ball over, short yardage, then there's potential for them to win. I just feel like the Panthers' defence might be a bit too good for them. Yeah, I mean, what really interests me on this is, is, and it kind of comes from today, Matt Ryan seemed to kind of, he kind of outlined, as the listeners have have heard early on, a a blueprint to beat beat Carolina's defence, and it was kind of built around running the game where they didn't have massive gains, but they stuck with it. And they just got those two linebackers to creep up a little bit and open some space up in behind them. I thought that was really interesting, but what what I question is whether Peyton Manning can can deliver that game plan and whether even if Keekley and Davis do come up, does he have the arm strength to push it over mm. the top of those linebackers and get the players that are available there? Because I do think that is the blueprint. But, yeah, I mean, it's a really interesting one. I don't know what you think about it, Ollie. Well, the... The Broncos are committed to the run. Uh, CJ Anderson, 16 attempts last uh, or two weeks ago. Ronnie Hillman, 15 attempts two weeks ago. Uh, all, uh, fair enough, uh, Ronnie Hillman went for about one and a half yards per carry. Anderson, about four, I think. But they are committed to the run, and that is obviously part of their game plan. And therefore, to take uh, the strain off of Peyton Manning's arms, uh, Peyton Manning's arm and his um, decision-making in those type of situations. I think what we'll see is a lot of, a lot more usage of the tight ends, be it uh, Owen Daniels, Virgil Green, maybe even Vernon Davis. I think that will be far more, but little, lots of check downs, little, lots of seam routes, and that could be the way of, of, of the outball of moving the chains a bit more. Emmanuel Sanders I spoke to on the first day, and uh, he said that he just he wants the ball. And what Peyton Manning does now is, I don't know whether he didn't do it before, but uh, Emmanuel Sanders said that Peyton Manning listens and is willing to listen to his receivers and understands that, yeah, okay, when they say that they were open, they were open. And when they say, give me the ball, he means give, give me the ball. And I think if he, if he managed to get those, those quick, the, the ball quickly out to, as I said, the tight ends, Emmanuel Sanders working out in and out of the, out of the slot, that could be absolutely vital. Yeah, well, one thing that I'd like to pick up on what you said there is 
is Denver are really committed to the running game. They showed that against New England by 30 rushing attempts and didn't really get anywhere with it. But the C.G. Anderson four yards of carry came from that one big one. Well, yeah, had 30 yards in so, the third wasn't it? quarter. Took them into field goal range. The only points they actually scored in the second half. But those three points ultimately win them the game. And I, and I do think that 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 is the one good thing Denver do well is. They're committed to that running game, and even if they don't get the regular gains, they may break off one big run. And as we saw two weeks ago, that one big run could ultimately win you a close game. Do you, th- do you think, though, the way that the, the Falcons beat the Panthers was because they... Okay, they, they ran the ball a lot with Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman, but what you get with Devontae Freeman, you don't get with CJ Anderson or Ronnie Hillman, and it's that ability to really break out. I know they didn't do that, but... There was always that worry. Yeah, there's in always the threat. It's a, the threat it's is a threat. big thing. And yeah, it, no doubt. CJ Anderson and Ronnie Hillman, bless them, do not ha- hold that particular threat. That type say, of breakaway speed. Exactly. So even if they are committed to the run, which they are, and that, that happens, who's to say that the Panthers will react accordingly to how they did against the, the Falcons. The concern is the Panthers' run defense is really very good. And yep. the, the, kind of running, the kind of running game that Gary Kubiak plays is mainly stretch runs. And, and when Manning's playing out of the shotgun, which I know he is mixing up between under center and shotgun... He, he, did, he hasn't really been in the shotgun since he came back from injury there's been a lot more under centre and they've kind of taken the pistol out of the offence as well so the, the concern is that when he isn't as mobile as he could be and you're trying to play the stretch you've got a handoff to the guy on the outside that extra second it can take to get back to the handoff that extra yard that the running back has to run to get to the line and when you've got the Panthers are so quick at closing that down that's going to be a real problem I'm going to be fascinated to see what the Panthers do in terms of blitzing because they're not a big blitzing team we spoke about the percentages yesterday but Peyton Manning was famously someone who you used to never blitz against. You just couldn't do it. He was too intelligent. He'd spot it and he'd use it to get to the short routes. He'd find an open guy, much like we've seen Tom Brady do so much over his career, get the ball out quickly. But this season... He's less than 60% to get a completion against the Blitz, a, a passer rating of 76, 26th best quarterback in the league against the Blitz. And actually, if you show him Blitzes, if you show him disguises, and we, we spoke to Mike Haynes about it, I'm interested to see if they're going to try Blitz corners off the edge, if they're going to try and Blitz safeties. Because I think if you bring up a corner and you Blitz Peyton, what you're doing is, if he, if he does read it and does show the intelligence to get the ball out quickly, you're forcing him to throw to the outside and you're forcing yep. him to use that arm strength, which he doesn't have. So make him play to his weaknesses instead of allowing him to play to his strengths that's what the Panthers need to do and Peyton if he's allowed to run his game plan and he's allowed to do what he wants to do potentially can move the ball and we talked about it with the Patriots they, they made clear simple errors in that first Broncos yeah. drive Crazy. and allowed Peyton to do yeah. what he wanted to do and, and we see give him that space and he can complete a big 80-90 yard drive and score a touchdown but I, I just can't see the Panthers unless it's mental errors unless it's pressure making those same mistakes and even if they do make them much like the Patriots in a drive I imagine that they will make the adjustments because they've had an incredible season on the defensive side of the ball and, and I don't know if the adjustments are in the Broncos offense to deal with what they can do when they adjust yeah what, what really interests me is the only thing I'd say is they are very good against the run Carolina but that zone blocking scheme is hard work on defensive linemen mentally it's a challenge mentally it's kind of not something you see from every team and there is that I would say there's probably a percentage of a second less time to get to the ball because you're having to think a little bit more. 
So it'll be interesting, to, and I think that's why in every game they generally break off at least one big run because it's so easy to bust an assignment against that blocking scheme. And I think that's going to be an important part of it. It, it. It's very much for Denver. It's very much a scheme matchup. I think on that side of the ball, because they do have a lot of talent, but Manning is so limited that they kind of do need mm. to out scheme and outthink Carolina a little bit. So I think that kind of chess match is going to be really interesting. And Matt Ryan alluded to it that you can throw on this Carolina yeah, I if mean, you can get it out and get it to uh, guys that will be able to make plays running with the ball. They've got Demarius Thomas. Okay, he only caught two catches against New England last. But there's there's, last week, there's kind but of history of him being a very good wideout, and yeah. and, and and Carolina truthfully have the the worst second and third cornerbacks in the entire NFL. I think in <laughs> Cortland Finnegan and Robert McLean. McLean's a guy they've picked up off the street who was cut by New England earlier in the year. Nobody really wanted it. And Cortland Finnegan is another guy who they've just got in from nowhere in the middle of the season. They, they're two very, very poor cornerbacks. So I think there is there is an element but of being able to take advantage of that. that's been what the Panthers' MO's been, though, hasn't it? Roman Harper and Charles Tillman. And they've brought those guys in who aren't wanted elsewhere and, and done a great job with them. And actually, I think that whilst I, I think since Ben Wickery's been out, that has been an issue and it really showed up against Green Bay actually against Arizona and we know that Carson Palmer played one of the worst games of his career but both those guys didn't have bad games and if they can have just an average game at corner on that side and then Josh Norman can dominate his side of the field and the safeties can do their jobs Peyton's going to have a very very long day and as is the interior of that line against those defensive linemen and it's really quite tough yeah and I think the major problem for for Denver is their offensive line is very overmatched in this game that they're not a good offensive line anywhere. That I mean, there's there's literally only Evan Mathis, who himself has had some struggles this year, but has really come on strong down the stretch. Who is a reliable option on that offensive line? It's a really, really very average unit. Um, and and given an extra week off, uh, do you think they'll be they'll be surely far tighter because of it, or is it just actual talent that's on it, that offensive line? It's a, it's a talent line? deficiency. I mean. Louis Vasquez is one of their experienced guys on that line, and he's having a terrible season. Mm. So, I mean, there's, there are some real issues on that Denver offensive line, and, and something that you mentioned about the three tight ends is interesting. That I would go out with a few three tight end sets. I know Vernon Davis can't block at all, but you kind of need to get some tight yeah, ends do in there. Still still got hands do. Like, actually go out there and play, yeah. play some of those schemes where yeah. they play those old school, like uh, Jeff says in the magazine and we talked about the other day, it's kind of 20-style 20, 20 schemes where you're going to heavy set lines yeah. and extra backs in and just accept that you're going to need uh, mm. show that you're going to run yeah. and go for it and try and you know just put enough guys in there that you can get yeah. the blocks off and the zone blocking works the extra two weeks to prepare maybe they'll have had enough time to put that in place I'm doubtful that we're going to break down the, the other two position areas as well in the next two shows whoa, so whoa, we'll whoa. talk Denver defence Panthers offence we may talk some special teams as well thank you very much don't Hasht- you worry I, hashtag kick watch I, could, I genuinely felt like you were going to get angry there kick watch I love how you didn't squeal it because we're sat in amongst other people okay Kick. Oh, I can't do it. Kick, Kick wash. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> and now I feel like an idiot. Uh, uh, just an interesting fact aside from this. Apparently, Steph Curry has scored more than 20 points 
in the opening quarter of uh, Golden State game today. Well, there is. There's an over/under bet on. Uh, we talked to a, oh, sorry, uh, to a couple of betting. It's guys. not half time yet, and he's now got 35 points. So there is an over/under <laughs> bet, uh, which I imagine the line on is going to get a lot shorter uh, later today after this game. But the, uh, can the Panthers score more points than Steph Curry in their game on Saturday night? And I think it's probably going to come down to the. Uh, I think probably Steph Curry is going to score more points than both teams combined based on the rate he's going at the moment the, the, the interest well, on the telly behind us I actually. mean we're, we're kind of segueing off here but the interesting thing about it is that in the big games he's really been spectacular and I think that the Oklahoma City game is enough to get that kind of performance out of him right so uh, we have as we said plenty more coming for you tomorrow we'll bring you more from the teams as well as stuff from Radio Row Ollie's going to get out and hopefully do some fan stuff now some fans are arriving in the city yeah. there, was a, there were a lot more fans here today there was a great moment where Ronnie Lott this afternoon he was here for a long time today walks across from the other side of Radio Row and in, there's an area to kind of to our right here where fans can gather and they can stand they ask them not to ask for autographs but they do stand on the edge get autographs off players as they finish interviews take photos etc etc and as Ronnie Lott walked down that area into the far side of Radio Row he was genuinely chased it was like something from Beatlemania it was absolutely hilarious so um, we will get to all of that coming up um, we'll get to all of that coming up we've got loads of great interviews to come tomorrow as well uh, but otherwise We'll, talk, we'll do StubHub tomorrow. It's fine. Don't worry. We talked to somebody from StubHub today as well about the ticket prices, and it was fascinating. It, it really was it interesting was, just yeah. how the market fluctuates and, and the ticket prices as they are. How much do you reckon I can get for my Golden State Warriors ticket? There was a woman last night who thought you could get $600 for your Golden State Warriors we ticket. Might, we might look at that on Saturday night. Like, if it's up to $600, I might sell mine. I'm, I think that's a lot of money. I really want to go. Well, you could go. <laughs> just going to go on my own and you guys go, you go, you go to you a sports bar and watch it we'll and that's $600 go to a sports bar and watch it they have the best night out ever oh it will be great and still have 300 bucks left at the end of it <laughs> that's what you think you're going to spend on Saturday night is it fine right so thank you uh, as always for listening uh, we said already those packages for Ireland are coming out on sportstraveltours.com so make sure you go and check those out uh, check us out on Twitter at Gridiron we'll keep the live blog going gridiron-magazine.com photos audio booms with little snippets of interviews uh, all sorts of tweets and various bits and pieces going up on there so go and check that out as well before we go as always Ollie and Matt this time any final thoughts I had a burrito today from Chipotle and Chipotle how was it? and how was I it I still really like that joke uh, it was good it was good we had some fantastic kebabs from a he great he thinks Starlo Talele should be sponsored by Chipotle and oh, they should call should. it Chipotle Lele that, that is definitely something that should happen <laughs> in fact I, I think if we could find an executive of Ch- Chipotle and, and suggest that I think we could maybe claim a fee and when I say we a finder's fee I mean Ollie yeah. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know how I've suddenly worked my way to this final we're, all, we're all friends here this Classic. is one big organisation and group Classic and Sherry worming his way onto it money earned money shared that's what all, I believe why did you go all Bristol worm. farmer there? no I did it because that's what um, Ricky Gervais does in the office he says worm like that somehow I worm yeah worm. Worm. <laughs> worm worm right it's getting weird again guys so as always thank you so much for listening <laughs> it's getting weird <laughs> <laughs> it, is, it keeps happening right at the end of shows and I don't understand why we're excited about the rest of the stuff to come up this weekend so thank you so much for listening oh, do you know the other thing that happened today that was weird and we're gonna we, we'll play the audio out on uh, on another show but we had two interviews in a row 
which ended with a Titans question about Mike Malarkey. Yeah, that's true. We talked about Mike Malarkey on Radio Row twice today. Titans who are I know it's the, the Super, Super Bowl, Bowl but let's talk about the first possible. overall pick. God. I thought you'd got, I thought you'd lost it. I just wanted to get those Titans fans who knew uh, who wanted to get involved. <laughs> <laughs> right, stop being horrible. He's literally Pete. just walking around. <laughs> so, thank Shush. you so much for listening. This has been the Gridiron Show, and because we ended with uh, with the Titans, let's have a little bit of damn Titans, damn to finish us off. Damn Titans, damn.